I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. Hello, guys. Before we get going, the blizzard of data. Every minute, every day, data, data, data. How's your sleep, your posture, your glucose, your power, your pace? Hordes and hordes of obsessive tracking. But is it really moving the performance needle for you? Perhaps. But for many, it just causes confusion and stress along your what should be enjoyable performance journey. Building a smart relationship with your data is critical. But sometimes simplicity is the best path forward. So with that, how do I reconcile this partnership with Inside Tracker? How does it fit into it? Well, here's the key. It isn't just more data, because there is a big difference between the blizzard of data and information, especially information that enables you to take actionable steps in your training, habits, and nutrition. And this is why I'm a fan. Inside Tracker provides a checkpoint every few months where you can get a look inside and then make smart, strategic decisions about your training, your nutrition, your health. You get busy following the advice, all peer-reviewed, and then check in again. How's it been? How do I course correct? And that is why here at we at Purple Patch are partnered with Inside Tracker. We want to help you become more informed about your performance journey and ensure that you're placing your focus in the right place that's going to yield the best results for you. And you can join us. If you'd like to, head to insidetracker.com forward slash purple patch podcast. You've got a nice landing page there. And here's a sneaky code for 25% off just for a limited time at everything in the store. It's Purple Patch Pro 25. I hope that helps. Of course, we're always here for questions, info at purplepatchfitness.com. But please, before then, enjoy the show. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. As ever, your host, Matt Dixon. And guys, this week is a good one. Let's get heavy. A few weeks ago, we did a cracking episode with Purple Patch coach Mike Orzinski all about strength, and it was really, really popular. We were kind of selling to you the benefits of doing strength, but now we find ourselves at the time, the optimal time in the year. And I wanted to have Mike back to do a deep dive into heavier strength training for fitness enthusiasts as well as endurance athletes. Where does it fit? What type of heavy strength training should you do? What is heavy strength training? So Mike's back this week and I promise you it is a cracking conversation. It unpeels so much of the information, makes it really accessible and might just have a way of inviting you into the world of strength. So I think you're going to really, really enjoy this one. You know Mike already, He's a key part of Purple Patch, and if you're a Purple Patch athlete, you get to follow along with his video-based coaching every single week, twice a week. And so today, we get to do a deep dive with the man himself, Coach Mike Orzinski. But before we do, I just want to do a very quick squatty update, because it's a big one this week. (laughs) 
Yes, it's the big squatty update, November the 16th. So you want to do your first Ironman. Perhaps you're registered. You could be contemplating. Or you might think, no, I'd love to do it, but it's not possible. Not in my life, not in the scope of possibility. I either logistically am just two times starved or I just cannot imagine going that far. Guess what? You can do it. We can help you. Well, I want to at least help with perspective. And so on November the 16th, a free webinar for everyone. Everyone and anyone who has their interest peaked about the mystique of Iron Man. And I'm going to outline what success looks like. A path of how to integrate it into your life. And most importantly, perhaps avoiding the mistakes that sets so many athletes and supporters up for a journey towards an Ironman that's just full of fatigue, misery, like the whole thing is a monkey on the back. I cannot wait for it to be over. No, that's not what we want. We want to make it fun, empowering, successful, and inspiring to others. And to do that, you have to do it the right way. And so join me. All you have to do, head to purplepatchfitness.com, the events page, register. I'm going to also answer all of your questions you have, and I want to make it clear, anyone is welcome to this. On top of it, if you can't attend live, register anyway, because we will send you the recording as well as some other goodies. All right, we don't have time for Word of the Week this week, because Mike really was a producer of goodness. And so, Barry, I'm excited for this. You don't get to take the stage, I'm afraid. But it is time for Coach Michael Zinski. We are talking about strength training and going heavy. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the meat and potatoes. All right, guys, it is the meat and potatoes. And once again... We are joined by Coach Michael Zinski. Welcome, Mikey. Hello, hello, and thank you for asking me back. I'm, I'm honored. Oh, well, I tell you <laughs> something. I, uh, I told you you failed last time, but, uh, but you know, sometimes it's, uh, I'm a slow learner, so um, I'm welcome to have you back. Now, before we get going, I want to do a couple of things on this that I think is important. Firstly, I want to invite the listeners a Do Not Miss podcast that really links into this show episode 146. You can go to the Purple Patch Fitness website. You can find it on the podcast page. You can also find it in the show notes here. But that's our last discussion, Mike, where you really at the broad umbrella, we chatted about the role and value of strength and conditioning for endurance athletes and enthusiasts. So for you guys, the listeners, if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to the episode. It was it was a lot of fun. It was also, by the way, one of our more popular episodes that we've had of the whole show. Oh, you're just trying to make me blush. <laughs> <laughs> and as we go through today, another thing as well, as uh, as we, we are going to discuss some heavier strength work today, I want to encourage you guys not to just go throwing heavy weights around. It's important, just like endurance training, that you do it well focusing on good posture, good form, etc. And in fact, one of the exercises we are going to talk today is the golden exercise for endurance athletes, the deadlift. And we've got a little gift for you guys, the listeners. Mike has put together a really nice, very easy tutorial video on how to do the deadlift correctly. 
And so we're going to link to this. If you like to download that, you out of the show notes, you can just simply register. We will send you that video. It's a very easy tutorial to make sure that you're doing this with good form. And I, it goes without saying, hey, Mike, making sure that you're doing things well is the prerequisite of getting any benefits. Without a doubt. I mean, it, it's the spectrum is incredibly vast. It can be a enhancer and it can be an inhibitor if it's done wrong. So <laughs> we just want to make sure it's not the latter. Exactly. So, all right. So with that, let's get going. We're going to treat this as a sort of part two of sorts leading off for episode 146. And one of our sort of anchor points today, as we are in off-season or post-season for many endurance athletes, we're going to talk about heavier lifting because it's the time, more load. So is heading to the gym, as gyms are opening up now, is it a good thing for endurance athletes? What type of heavier lifting should you do? How should you integrate it? And it's a big piece of the puzzle. We're even going to talk to Purple Patch athletes specifically at the end of the show. How can you integrate it into Mike's program and Kai, with support, of course, that have developed our video-based program? Where does heavy lifting fit into that? And so hopefully it's all-encompassing and very, very helpful for you guys, whether you're an endurance fitness performance athlete or purely a fitness enthusiast. So, Mike, are you ready? Rock and roll. Well, let's get going, and I think we should, while we encourage people to go back and listen to the prior episode, let's at least frame here a little bit to start. Strength is a purple patch pillar of performance. We believe that every endurance athlete, every fitness enthusiast, in fact, anyone seeking to improve function and performance in daily life Everyone should move heavy things. And so what I'd like you to do to start, Mike, is just give us a couple of minutes on the key reasons that folks listening should embrace strength training as a part of their exercise ritual. My pleasure. And I want to say I'm just glad that we are recording this episode. I think it is a really nuanced topic. So hopefully you folks out there really tune in and listen because it, it can be taken a lot of ways and after this podcast today, I hope it gets put in the correct light. Um, numero uno, I think when we talk about heavy lifting or heavier resistance training, the root of everything is that it's trying to strengthen your posture, plain and simple. It's strengthening your posture. And it's hard to trigger the muscles in the adaptation that truly strengthen your posture, not just stretch you out, but strengthen your stability and posture without managing some heavy weights. <clears throat> so that's really, really important, I think. It's, don't mistake, we're not trying to, to blow up and balloon and, and squat max effort. We're just trying to stand up taller at the end of the day, which relates to everyone. You know, then moving over, aside from posture, strengthens nearly every system of your body. Your muscles, your bone density, your nervous system, your ligaments, your tendons, all things that tend to arise and create problems in everyone, not just athletes. So to strengthen these components of your body does require some good resistance. Um, and the last one, I'll speak to the endurance athletes out there. You know, the alternative to doing some weight training and heavy lifting is just swimming, biking, running, rowing through the off season, through the postseason at a low effort, 
getting more gray. And uh, that that's just not an attractive alternative to me, I think. Yeah, it's not well-rounded. It's actually reeks of monotony, which is the uh, the devil of the word when it comes to performance programming, I would say. I would agree. I would agree. So, so I want to... I want to talk about roadmaps as well, and and maybe I'll start with this uh, for whether you're a fitness enthusiast, whether you are a endurance athlete, we tend to break up a season of training into four main sections, and we have, which many of our athletes are in right now, a phase of preparation that we tend to call postseason, but it's really a a quarter's worth, if you want to divide the the annual calendar into four sections, a quarter's worth, 12 weeks or so of preparation, a lot of preparatory work when it comes to swim, bike, and run for triathletes. And we'll talk about triathletes, even though we know that our listeners come from a broad spectrum. We then think about a build phase. So that's about performance development, starting to build some harder intervals, some stronger work, some higher intensity And it is off of that phase of training that then athletes tend to be very, very fit, but we want to start to dress rehearse or what we like to say sharpen. So we move into some more race-specific training. If someone was training for an Ironman or an Olympic distance, start to do some dress rehearsal type work to get from there. And then finally, the almost second part of the calendar so far as race season, we talk about that as being refining, not really seeking much more fitness gains, but getting very, very focused into the last key races of the year. And so you got four progressive phases of training. And in that, prepare, build, sharpen, refine. Right now, prepare is very low stress, and training load for the endurance components. Build gets more aggressive, sharpen, race-specific training, obviously high, high volume, typically associated with good uh, outdoor riding or running or whatever it is, and then similar for the last final phase of each racing season. And so it's cyclical. So Mike, I know that's a little bit wordy, but we then, what I'd like to know is what is the roadmap of strength if we sort of synchronize it with this progressively building calendar. Absolutely. And it's a, it's a great model that we don't just use as triathletes. This model is really in pretty much every athletic macro cycle you'll ever see. And it's, it's great that the words we've chosen are for a reason. And prepare, which is the lower endurance stress, should essentially be the most physical preparedness that you reach. So your preparation phase is something that every college professional sports team or or program uses. Um, Even military, they use preparation, preparation. (laughs) I know how to speak English, right? (laughs) I get excited about these words, but the, the volume or the stimulus is highest during that phase from resistance training and lifting. And that's okay. So in a way, the way that these two things relate, the two things being strength and endurance training, is they're almost inversions for the bookends of the year. So during the preparation phase, they're a bit of an inversion. The strength is higher and the endurance is more supporting. But then during the race phase or or the, the refinement phase, strength plays a really supporting role more for stability and balance and mobility. 
and the endurance training takes the, the meat and potatoes. It's the higher stress for sure. They do tend to meet somewhere in the middle there. And it's typically around that, that building phase where you're, you're kind of hitting it on both ends. You're doing some really high quality, good strength work while you're doing some really high quality, good endurance work. And, uh, if you think about that, that's a pretty tough time of the year. <laughs> it is. And that's actually the time of the year. A lot of the Northern Hemisphere folks, that's when you're, we're asking them to, to do some focused strength work while they're really building fitness across whatever their endurance sort of quest is. And that's where we start to see first real signs of fatigue accumulation. We have to be very, very careful. I think one thing that this highlights, by the way, and if I'm going to I'm going to repeat what you said in a, in a slightly refined way, which is, okay, right now, phase of preparation, endurance training stress is low. So opportunity to really focus on strength is high. And actually our ability to gain adaptations in strength is high. Fast forward all the way to race season, we're outside and we're riding or running or whatever you're doing. Our opportunity, our time, our ability to adapt to strength is much, much lower, so it becomes more supportive. But really what that highlights for me is the importance of this word consistency. You cannot check out of training over the, quote, off-season and think, I'm going to take a break. I'm just going to be with my family. I'm really going to focus and excel next year because you are f missing not just the preparation phase of endurance, the golden opportunity to really dial in very programmatic, important strength training. And you can't do three things at once, basically. I was thinking the exact same thing that you just said there, which is you can't get better at everything in one month. And I see that a lot. We see that a lot where people, they start training again in the new year or even like early spring and they start doing it all. They start doing their strength. They start swimming. They start biking. They start running. Um, even though some of it might have just been the background, well, you're not going to – all of that is not going to stick. And in fact, the, the postseason or offseason is the best time because you probably don't have as much daylight. You probably are doing some other commitments with family, with work. It's Q4, holidays. The beauty of the strength work is it takes the least amount of time. You know, yeah. you don't have to set aside three hours to get outside and ride your bike or go for a 90 minute run. You can just be at home, warm up and hit two great exercises in 45 minutes. And you got a lot of time left, you know, and that is the consistency route. And then when the, when the time does come to do the endurance work, it just feels right. It just feels natural. Yeah. And, and of course it coincides with longer days warmer days and all of that good stuff it's like i want to be outside so i'll say that the backbone of that much lighter endurance work still really needs to be specific but for the listeners and this is no news to you particularly if you've listened to some of the shows over the last month or so this is the time strength and conditioning with really specific but much lower overall load so far as training hours but also training stress on the endurance side, a lot more freedom to have some fun. And, and you can in there weave greater time with your family, friends, doing other stuff, et cetera, et cetera. So 
that that's really important. That's sort of the call to arms, but but very very important that we do it and do it well. And so with that, Mike, let's get heavy, man. Okay. We're going to talk about heavy lifting. Now we're not talking about power lifters. We're not talking about joining Gold's Gym with all of the protein powders and everything else that's under the counter. We're discussing performance enthusiasts, so people that are looking for life performance and endurance athletes. And uh, they're, they're one of the same when we think about this. And so maybe as basic as it might sound, I think this is really important. Can you start by defining what you mean within the context of performance enthusiasts, endurance athletes, what is heavier strength? How heavy is heavy? How heavy? It's, it's never too heavy, man. <laughs> no, that's, we're talking about music there. No, just kidding. Um, I think this is a really important topic here, so listen up. And this is where the title sometimes gets misinterpreted in an article or something when they don't read all the way through. Heavy in our case is different then if you're conditioning for a power sport or bodybuilding or powerlifting, our, our definition of heavy for our purposes is that it's enough resistance to break down the muscle fibers in the correct muscles to stress those muscles and bones and ligaments the right amount so that they repair and rebuild in the correct way along with some mobility mixed in there. That is really variable per individual. Everyone's a little different. So we're going to have to go into the rate of perceived exertion, or RPE, which we use for a lot of our training. And I'll go out and say this. I think heavy lifting starts when the individual finishes a set of exercises. Let's call it eight reps. I did eight reps of this. If you ask that individual on a scale of 1 to 10, how heavy was that? I would hope they say 8 or higher, or 8.5 or 9. Then we're getting into the heavy scale to me. So 80% of your perceived effort on a given exercise. Does that and make sense? It, it really does for me, but it's, it's important. It's not, that's not metric driven. So in other words, it's not. 80% of one RM or, or anything right. like that. Let's, mm -hmm. let's bypass that and let's say it's an 8 out of 10. So what that means is it's not to failure. Correct. We are rarely going to true failure. I don't think, I don't really think we ever do. Oh, we don't um, think we need to. We don't need to. And, you know, unless someone was coming in for a training session with me and they were misbehaving. Well, that's right. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's, uh, that, and sometimes that's appropriate. But the, um, it's also never failure of form, mm -hmm. never failure of posture, yeah? So you're, because you, you talked about overloading or, or heavier lifting is the way to force perfect posture or, or posture improvements. So in order to do this, you need to do it well at an overload effort, eight out of 10, but going to 10 is not gonna be helpful. Precisely, and the second point I'll make about how to define heavy is, when you're holding the weight or preparing to lift the weight, you should feel the engagement of your entire body. And you should feel like you are forced into perfect posture. Like your shoulder alignment is good. You're feeling it through your trunk or your core, you know, whatever the, whatever the enthusiasts out there want to call it. 
and you're feeling it in your legs and in your feet. If you can kind of just move around and swing around with the weight, it's probably not heavy enough if that's what we're going for at that moment. So it forces you into perfect posture and back to the beginning, the more often you have to be forced into perfect posture, the more likely you are to hold that position just through your daily life or through your sport. It's great. It's, uh, I, I, I want to ask, I'm going to do a small tangent here. I'm going to come back later in the, in the show and the discussion to this, but I can already hear the, the light bulbs flicking in with the purple patch athletes listening because you, you've developed this, I, I hate to make you blush again, but this fantastic program, video-based program that I, as you know, have been following. I've been a very good boy. I'm six, six, uh, six in now to you, Mike. But some of the purple patch listeners might be thinking, hmm, hang on, he's not having me do really heavy strength right now. And uh, so how, how do I supplement? By the time I've listened to this, I've, I've, we're going to talk about the exercises. How do we supplement on, on that as, as purple patch athletes following the videos? For sure. It's, it's a good topic because it's true. I, I don't think that we're in full transparency. We're just not super comfortable with me getting on the camera with an Olympic barbell and weights and letting everyone just follow my movements. It's, I don't think that's appropriate. It's not individual enough. Um, I want people to move well first and remove their roadblocks. And sometimes if people are endurance athletes or triathletes, they need to just go through those initial blocks of learning the motion with light weights. But for you out there who are prepared to do the heavier lifting and add some more resistance to get these benefits. I, in fact, I talked with one of our athletes um, earlier this week or at the end of last week uh, named Amy. It was Amy out in Oregon. And what we came to the conclusion is every one of our on-demand sessions, every strength workout has, as Maddie Boy will say, the meat and potatoes <laughs> exercises. They all got a meat and potatoes exercise. And further on in this conversation, we'll talk about some really key lifts and what they are. You'll always find one of those key lifts in the VOD sessions. So you can follow that program and notice, okay, where's the key lift? It does take a little bit of thinking from time to time. Okay, there's a deadlift, there's a front squat, there's an overhead press, there's a lunge. These are your meat and potato exercises, and you can bring those to the gym. You can bring those to your weight room and follow along with the activation and the preparation like we always do. Get to your 8 out of 10 on weight in those movements. And then you can even finish up the, the, the session with some nice ancillary work towards the end. But the message is get those meat and potatoes lifts in. It's never more than two, and two is a great number of lifts to build strength for the endurance athlete especially. Yeah, so for those that are following the, the video side of stuff, all of the activation remains, a lot of the stability stuff, the movement patterns, all that remains. And then on the key main, like the, the squats or the deadlifts, that is an opportunity for those that are prepared to do so to add some heavier work. And ironically, <laughs> I'm probably a great case study of this because you know that I'm really pretty good at doing the endurance work and I'm less good at doing the strength. And I have an athletic background. So when you take me for all of the hollow rocks or the 
planks, I'm really pretty awful. I need to do all the activation with you. I'm, I'm following you. I'm being a very good boy. I'm, I'm following all of that. And I've got a long journey to improve. But have me do a, a deadlift or a strength. I can definitely overload. So I just supplement a little bit. I've got the facility at Purple Patch here, so I'm very, very lucky. So I benefit from those key movements. I can do some more weight and will benefit from those, particularly as I'm pretty lazy on that stuff globally. And I'm committed all year. Commit. And, uh, and it's an invitation for you guys, the listeners. We'll talk about that later. But, um, but yeah, so, so I think that, that really makes sense. And I, I, I do want to point out, if you are really new to strength or your movement patterns are not quite as developed, don't think that you're failing or missing out by not going heavy. If you haven't unblocked or removed the roadblocks, if you haven't got great coordination, it is appropriate for you this year to not go too heavy. So it's not for everyone. I think that I think that's important. Yeah, Mike. Like we, we we need to do it right first. And and for many many people, just following your videos is enough. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And this even brings me back to our earlier conversation, the last podcast. It's like sometimes it takes a season. Sometimes it takes a year for someone to truly get it down. And especially if you're just doing it on your own at home on video without a session with a trainer or a, or a someone who really knows form and can analyze you and watch you and make sure you're handling it properly. Now, these are things that, that we are lucky enough to have access to, but not everyone does. So like I said, it's either an, it can be an enhancement, but if you lift something too heavy and you twist your back, it just became an inhibitor. So <laughs> we, it's really critical that you might even take some time and book some sessions with a trainer or an expert in movement to make sure that you're cleared. You know, you go to any gym, a lot of times, if you're going to do some real advanced stuff, you got to get cleared on certain movements. And I know this happens in the CrossFit world at the good gyms. Mm -hmm. You have to go through the tests and like make sure you can overhead squat before you go and do a snatch and do the stuff. You know, so it's worth taking the time and making sure that's all correct. Perfect. So, so I guess one one of the more basic questions I should ask is, who of the the listeners who would benefit from integrating some <laughs> some strength work and, and and ultimately progressing to heavier strength work? We we made a list of that, and I was like, wait, who's who's not on this list? <laughs> um, there's very few that are not on the list. So who is on the list is endurance athletes. That's for darn sure. That's definitely our target. Um, maturing athletes, our AARP anarchists, or as some of our athletes will call them, the AARP beasts. That's what I've heard <laughs> we got a subgroup of that now. So maturing athletes who are possibly losing muscle integrity and bone density and, and hormonal concentrations. Females, just across the board, all female athletes need to add resistance, and you'll see a lot of studies about that anywhere you look. The lifelong endurance junkie needs to get into it. And I mean, I mean, who, who are we missing? What, what's cool is, I think if we tackle this question the backwards and say, who shouldn't it's do- It's a shorter list, yeah. Shorter <laughs> list. Who shouldn't do heavier strength work? Well, if someone played in the NFL for 11 years, I would say they can probably relax on heavier strength work. And they might benefit from doing just more supporting stuff and, and doing a little more light resilience, tissue resilience, endurance training, that kind of thing. Um, for a good example is we have an athlete named Tony 
who spent 10 years doing powerlifting. So if I say, hey, Tony, I want you to go lift heavy, he's going to look at me cross-eyed and be like, well, how heavy do you want me to lift, coach? And I'm going to say, well, not not 80% of your 4RM of your deadlift. Like, well, that's mm-hmm. not where we're going. But um, someone like that can probably stand to do what might feel easier to them or might feel like a lower perceived exertion and even pair it with a little more endurance training. So someone like Tony might benefit from some good deadlifts, some good lunges, but after that, go for a 20-minute jog or maybe even start a strength session with some intervals on the bike. Wear out the legs, get pumping a little bit, and then finish with some postural, some posterior chain work. But, I mean, that's a really, really, really small population, and um, and they're still lifting heavy, just maybe not what they would think is heavy, and maybe pairing it more with some endurance work. That's a long answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. Well, well I, t- I tell you what, you know, the short answer to that is everyone apart from a very thin sliver of people, will benefit from the strength. So that that's what we want to go to. But now what I hear is the rumbles. Hmm. Yeah, I hear the rumbles, Mike. Rumbles. It is the weak runner who has the inability to carry bags of shopping, and they're fretful. Oh, goodness me, this coach Mike is telling me to do heavy strength. I'm going to bulk up. Surely I'm going to bulk up. It's going to slow me down. Lighter is better. So what I want you to do is explore some myths for me. Why don't you give me a few of the myths around doing heavier strength for endurance-focused folk, and then yourself go ahead and bust them. (laughs) Well, I'll start with my favorite, but by favorite, I mean, God, it's frustrating to hear this so frequently. Still, when I figure this is getting to be old news, but... People say, well, my activity, I'm a runner. My sport is a lot of low-intensity movements, a lot of reps. So what I should do in the gym? I should do low-weight, high reps. And that's just my least favorite thing to hear ever. Um, Two sets of 20, three sets of 25, three sets of 30. Like, boy, oh, boy, like you're, you're really not – your form has no integrity in that kind of set. So since – your sport is a lot of low intensity, monotonous, short range of motion reps. That's more really important. Running is not full range of motion through your hips, knees, and ankles. It's, it's probably closest in your knees, but it's not. So what you're doing by doing a lot of low stress, low intensity lifts with no resistance is you're just strengthening a shortened range of motion. And that, over time, is a ticking time bomb. That's where muscles and tendons and ligaments start to get stressed and start to get inflamed. And that's just a bad, bad situation. Then you won't even be able to run because you'll be hurting every time you do. So what we want to think for, the, for that myth of I should lift low weights, high reps, you can improve your quality of your movements. You can improve your movement patterns. If you just got to focus on five, six, eight repetitions at a time and then rest and reset and do it again, those eight reps are going to be in better form and better posture forced through the heavier weights. Sorry to say it, team. But then if you go and just grab a 
four pound weight and do a bunch of body weight squats. It's just, you're not going to be in great posture for those, but you will if you grab a front squat with some heavier weight. That's one. <laughs> Jeez. I get fired up about that one. I'm sorry. Uh, lifting heavy. Here's another myth. Lifting heavy is going to slow me down in a race. Lifting heavy will make me feel heavy. Hear that a lot. It's going to slow me down. I feel like I just don't bounce as much. Well, that's probably true if you're adapting to heavier lifting in the post or off season, which is what we want. You don't want to be at your bounciest and feeling lightest on your feet for 12 months of the year. You just simply can't. And if you do, you're never going to make real progress, right? So if we want to make progress in our athletic performance, we have to be confident enough to say, I don't mind if my legs feel a bit heavy during the postseason because I know when I lighten up those weights and I introduce more of that, that building and sharpening work like Matt was saying, boy, then I'm going to feel like I can fly. And that's a great feeling. So lifting heavy early in the season will not slow you down because we will lighten up the load and you will do more of that endurance work. Then you'll feel super light. And that's where the progression can truly come from. All right. Should we keep going? Is yeah. that enough? Should we keep no, going? No, 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 no. I oh. want to know if there's uh This is a good one. This is, and I, I'd actually probably turn this over to Matt because you talk about this a lot and you deal a lot with these folks. Usually when I get to coach someone, they're already bought into it because they, they don't have a choice with the strength. <laughs> but you've been coaching a lot longer than me. But you hear a lot of people that say, well, I just need to build my base. I got to do my aerobic miles. I got to spend... 300 miles a week on the bike. I got to do all this and that during the off season. Like, how would you, how would you respond to someone that, that says that to you? Well, I think, I think firstly, it's a, it's a great thing. I don't want to do strength because I'm going to build my, my base, but by definition, particularly the endurance athletes is, um, what do you think you've been doing over all of those miles that, uh, that you spend out there running or riding over the spring and summer months. And, uh, and by definition, a smart training program over the course of even a race season should include a high percentage of training that is relatively low stress so that you can really hit the key sessions. So by definition, you are building your base. Why would you then, there's also a practical component of life, particularly folks that live in climates where they have these things called seasons. So you're going to put on top of your your life a burden where you're asking yourself to accumulate low intensity mileage outside when the days are short, the rain is here, the snow is coming, whatever it might be. It doesn't make any practical or logistical sense. And ultimately, we know that by definition, there's only a certain number of weeks in a row that you can maintain a stimulus without your body plateauing. And if we realize that a lot of the race season is anchored around hard, high intensity with supporting base building, ladies and gentlemen, low intensity work, it doesn't make practical sense to do it. And so what people are yielding is old school bike racing mileage base building 
which those athletes have to do that because their body simply can't do anything else. They have to do low mileage because they race 100 times in a year and they, they need to go low intensity. And by the way, nowadays, that has really evolved for bike racers as well. They include fasten your seatbelts, strength and conditioning. And so I guess the way to argue it in that is that's just wrong that's from the 70s, this is now into this century, and this is the smart way to do it. I like to hear that, man. You describe it well. And uh, we're, not on, we're not all on a Team Movistar, you know, and we can't all just pick up in the winter and go down to Columbia mm-hmm. and do our strength in the morning and then ride 150 miles and then rest. Like, we're not on Team Movistar. We're not on the Bowerman Track Club where their number one job is to just go for runs during the day and then strengthen and, and stabilize in the rest of their day. We're just, that's not our reality in this situation. So this is the best way to use our time, I think. With, with the supporting endurance work, because you are maintaining, we're not just doing strength at this time of the year. So you're not going to bulk up. It's not going to prevent progression. It's not going to slow me down. So I guess what are some of the benefits that we're going to get out of this we uh we talked about how important it is we talked about who it is important for we've dispelled some of the myths so go through briefly some of the benefits that we're going to get from this number one benefit that people love is it's increased power production from your body outwards and what i mean by that is you can produce more power from your trunk from your hips that you can then put into the apparatus or the fluid that you are then moving through. So to dumb that down a little bit for myself, because I just confused myself a little bit, you can use your legs to produce more power in a bike pedal into the crank, into the wheels. You can then use your hands and arms and shoulders to produce more power from the inside out into the water and thus grip and rip it a little bit stronger. And one that's even missed a little is that you can produce more power in your run, even though the power meter has somehow gotten popular in running, I don't know how, but you can apply more force into the ground through your hips and feet that then react and send you further and higher into space, which means you can run a little further per stride. So by engaging and truly adapting to heavier lifting, you can improve your own personal power production. Mm. All right, then switching switching gears a little bit, another benefit is just reducing the risk of overuse and repetitive stress injuries, aka building, as Matt will say, tissue resilience, which is true. And I even know another great coach it says the off season or the you know us coaches we never use the the dirty word off season but some people do but one one great comment i hear about the postseason is it's the time to mold the tissues you mold the tissues in your in your legs in your shoulders in your hips everything and by doing that you're reducing what i was talking about earlier which is shortened range of motion which puts a lot of stress on the the insertion points of those muscles into tendons typically. And when you stress the insertion points of muscles, it gets inflamed. And that's where you 
hear these things like tendonitis, tendinopathies in the hamstrings, in the calf and the Achilles and the plantar fascia. And it's it's really, from from my experience, it's one of the biggest problems that athletes face throughout a racing year is fighting some of those injuries. So by doing proper heavy training and getting good range of motion, you can eliminate the opportunity of those to arise. Um, another benefit, number three, which most people like, is improving body composition. Muscle burns fat. Muscle burns fat. Okay. Uh, and body composition is simply your percentage of body fat in your in your measurements. You know, so muscle mass and body fat. All right. Four would be improving posture and postural fitness just throughout the day and then into your work life, into your athletic life. And that, here, that's really important in life performance, like postural fitness, meaning mm-hmm. being able to retain good posture, less neck pain, less back pain, components like that. Yeah. How you sit at your computer, Yep. how you sit at your desk, uh, how you sit when you're driving a car, very important stuff. And here's the big hitter, that the one that I liked, uh, is that I'm going to go ahead and say this. Resistance training and heavy training can improve your quality of sleep. It can improve your quality of sleep. So, so t- tell us more on that. What's uh, what's some of the, the sort of research that you know about that? Well, funny enough, you have an expert coming on the podcast very soon, Dr. Chris Winter. Oh yeah, Chris. So yeah. he's going to be coming on, and he'll. Mm-hmm. In fact, I found a lot of his commentary in the the presentation and research studies. I, I can say it is a newer field, and it's not as deeply studied from what I've been reading. Probably within the last ten years, they've always been looking at exercise and sleep quality, but now they're starting to dig deeper into true resistance training exercise and how it affects your sleep. And if you simply follow the footprints and do a little detective work from the physiology standpoint, you will realize that when you break and degrade muscle tissue in order to resynthesize that muscle tissue layer it back build it back stronger it requires your body to somewhat cool down and to relax aka yep. the hormones it will release while you're sleeping in order to let your everything else in your body should be relaxed so it can the immune system and the immune response can focus on rebuilding that muscle tissue. And I even found a really cool study, and I I studied this when I was in grad school. In fact, I studied endothelial function in the circulatory system and specifically nitric oxide. So nitric oxide is something that opens your blood vessels. And there's a great study that found improved endothelial function via nitric oxide in a, in a large group of people that were doing resistance training compared to the others. And what they know is that if you have really good endothelial function, it's essentially meaning your, your circulation and pulmonary systems are really elastic. So they you have good circulation, low blood pressure, low tension, strong immune response. All of this helps your body relax and thus you get a little deeper into sleep. And I, I just personally thought that was really cool mm-hmm. and really interesting, and I deeply believe that. I also thought, thought it was interesting, you know, that um, as kids we often get asked, 
Baxter, my nine-year-old, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's a fireman or a, a nurse or a teacher or a fighter pilot. And you just wanted to study endothelial function. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. There was, it was because all my friends were taking this supplement back in the day called NO Explode. I don't know if people remember that one. Boy, well, just... There's also <laughs> the, um, the beet juice is, uh, is very oh, yeah. popular nowadays, isn't it? So, so I do want to address a common concern as we mm. begin to edge towards the end here bulking up mm-hmm. uh, muscle growth and you're, you're asking athletes to lift heavy or, or suggesting it so are athletes going to bulk up in a short answer no mm-hmm. um, especially if they're training on our system and our program the the adaptation to truly truly bulk up is very specific and ask any bodybuilder out there it's a full-time job you know they have to have very specific muscle training, very specific nutrition. You can talk to Scotty, Scotty Tyndall about that. Like there, it's gotta be really shaped and hyper-focused to truly hypertrophy and build muscle. And one thing that is very clear about that is to be a bodybuilder, you aren't really allowed to do much aerobic exercise Yeah, because the aerobic exercise surrounds your muscles with capillaries and blood vessels, and it really doesn't want them to grow too big. So in a sense, it's beautiful for us as endurance folks because we have to do that aerobic exercise, and our muscles will just get denser and stronger without necessarily adding a whole ton of mass, right? That's one. Um, another thing, too, is like we're, our postseason is, is not the longest phase of our year. It's um, Six, three months, eight weeks, up yeah. to twelve weeks, up to so, twelve yeah. weeks max, and in, and towards the end of that twelve weeks, you're starting to get into preseason, where all of a sudden you're getting some of that higher intensity aerobic training, and so we just don't have the length of time to truly, truly bulk up. It just won't happen that quickly. Again, ask ask the physiologists, ask the people who try to build muscle professionally. It's really complicated. And then to finish that, I'll, I'll make a contrast. Like, what if you did actually bulk up a little bit during the postseason? What if you did add some muscle mass to your body? Is that a bad thing? And my answer to that would be absolutely not. It will help strengthen your entire system, your bones, your ligaments. And naturally, if you did, if you grew muscle in eight weeks or 12 weeks, then I would imagine you could also lose it in eight and 12 weeks because you probably adapt quickly to things. So then when you start doing the more, the build work and the sharpening work, that increase in muscle mass will just turn into increased power production in your swimming and biking and running. So it's, it's kind of good if you do gain a little muscle mass in that case. So, so to finish the, the show, are there three, four, five lifts what when you you talked about the mean and potatoes for the mm. purple patch athletes earlier what what are the exercises if you said okay look we we've only got i'm time starved i said to you yesterday actually i've only got 30 minutes max 40 minutes max like that's me you're not going to get me in the gym for an hour and a half period this is and and you won't <laughs> you can try but you won't and i think many of the listeners are just like that it's like hey i need to be sort of in and out i need to do 45 minutes or less. So what are the must-haves or the big ROI exercises around the strength? Give us them in a Mm -hmm. short and succinct manner. 
really easy. The, the return on investment exercises, number one is just your deadlift. Every, everyone needs it one way or another. It's, it's really possible. So if you are someone like Maddie who has 30, 40 minutes, the way I would set up a session would be 20 minutes of warm-up and 20 minutes focus on a key exercise. These are the meat and potatoes ones. Deadlift is a great exercise that you can focus for 20 minutes on and have a great day. Number two, front squat. Front squat, which is kind of the, the protagonist to the deadlift. Yep. Right. I would say it's getting a little more in the triple extension, a little more work on, on stabilizing through the spine, anterior loading, really good stuff. Number three, by God, I mean, I just think every one, especially Matt with his nice long swimming arms should do pull-ups. And if you can't just grab a bar and pull your weight, there's a lot of ways that you can do pull-ups without just being free floating in space. Um, we are going to make a video about all the ways you can do pull-ups, but doing assisted pull-ups are great. And if that's really unachievable, just doing lat pull-downs, heavy lat pull-downs would be a great substitute. And I think that, that exercise should be banned. It's, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm six foot three. I'm almost 200 pounds. I've got arms that are like wet noodles. And you're telling me to pull that weight with those long levers. Oh, it's uh, it brings me, gives me hives. But yes, it is high. Can high I give volume. a fun fact real quick on the lats? Go on then. Lats are by volume the largest muscle group above the waist, and a lot of people want to lose like visceral body fat, like stomach fat around their waist. The best exercise you can do to lose visceral body fat and like midsection body fat is lat exercises. Oh, the lap machine is going to have long lines. <laughs> the pull-up bar is going to have long lines. It's there crazy. Everyone wants to do crunches. It's, that does the opposite. It, yeah. it screws up that the midsection, whereas lats, they strengthen it. So it's, um, it's important stuff. Okay, important. So, if it, so we've got deadlift, front mm -hmm. squat. Pull-ups. Uh, pull-ups or assisted pull-ups, obviously, for, for folks like me that mm -hmm. need it. I'll um, give three more quick ones. Okay, give me three more quick ones. Loaded reverse lunge, just loaded lunges. And mm -hmm. typically reverse is the safest way to do that heavy. Hang clean, which is a technical one. We will introduce that more towards the preseason. It's a good combination of everything you do with deadlift and front squat. So hang clean will get in there. And the last one I think everyone should be able to achieve is a good standing overhead press mm -hmm. or a push press. And mm -hmm. um, believe it or not, I think that's up there with form and danger of the deadlift. If, if you don't do overhead press right, it could be bad. So really important to do it correctly, which is why I do it pretty much every VOD session in one way or another, and usually with rubber bands. So cool. that's my quick hitters. Well, I think this is a good time for an invitation to the listeners, because as we have talked about here, I'm now more than three weeks into your Purple Patch Strength program. And I'm going to tell you, I'm I'm actually enjoying it, and that's, oh that's it's very rare for me. I uh, uh, everyone at per Team Purple Patch knows that I'm not an affectionado of strength, not like you, Mike. But uh, I think that we should invite the listeners to join me. Uh, one of the things that has happened, I mentioned on this very show a few weeks ago. I said I'm I'm going to commit to doing strength. I'm doing this crazy endurance bike ride with my brothers, and. Um, 
and I am going to commit to doing strength and following your guidance, Mike, over the course of this postseason or off season, however you'd like to say it, through till all of 2022. And come and join me. And what happened is a whole bunch of people have. And it's funny, yesterday I was running out of time, a busy day, and I kept getting notifications from our internal community. Have you done it yet? Have you done it yet? And we're all on there. And that, that audience, that, that community, that accountability is growing. We've now got a great group of Purple Patch athletes following your video sessions and doing it. And this is the time. And, uh, and it really is the time for everybody. It's b before January. You want to be doing it now. It's so critical. And it's also great that we've managed to accidentally, I should point out, infuse accountability so that we, myself, <laughs> I'm getting high accountability, everyone else, real consistency and a bit of community element to it. It's really, really good fun. And so if you want to join us, it's a great time. You can join the squad program. You can join one-to-one -one coaching or just reach out to us directly info at purplepatchfitness.com and we will help you get going on the strength program with a lot of support and uh, and so we'll take it from there with that mikey because i know you're already doing all of this uh, i want to thank you i want to thank you for your time you have a fantastic way of diluting something that is in many ways for me in inaccessible and i think a lot of people feel the same of what should we do why is it important who is it for and, and I think it's clear as mud, mate. So <laughs> thanks once again for joining us on the show. And thank you for all of your massive work that you do with the video-based stuff. I know that the Purple Patch athletes absolutely love the program. And it really is helpful to follow along and see how to do it correctly. And even I have a fighting chance of doing hollow rocks a little bit better than they were. So thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate well, it. Well, thank you guys. And I will say thank you everyone too, because now I feel accountable. I, if I got to be recording doing it, I better be good enough to not be terrible. So thank you all for, for giving it a chance and thanks for letting it feel good. And I hope it continues. Well, let's build a backbone of great posture, great strength right now, leading into well-rounded athleticism or endurance athletics. Over the course of this year, we are right in the middle of a performance reset for the end of 2021. And we're going to get going. Guys, thanks for listening. Please stay healthy, stay safe, look after each other, and we will chat to you next week. I've got a very special one next week for you. And uh, as Mikey mentioned, we are having Dr. Chris Winter, the, one of the preeminent sleep experts in the world, coming on the show in a couple of weeks. So we can look forward to that as well. All right, guys, take care. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. And if you like what you hear, We'd really appreciate it if we share with your friends and really go the extra mile. Head over to Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to follow, rate, and review the show. Your support and reviews go a long way to increasing our visibility and, of course, the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive, just like me and you. Don't forget, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Links to the episode resources and all of our programs can be found at purplepatchfitness.com. Thanks much for listening. Take care.